you know, you, you're, you're there to learn, and this is the most hands-on experience that you can get without actually being in the, uh, the field of fire. Yeah. Uh, because once once you're invited to set, you know. Yeah, you better know. You know what you're I doing. can't. I can't. I can't save you from everything. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to the Camera Department Podcast. My name is John, a focus puller from Miami, and I'm here with my co-host Alex. Buenos dias. Today we have a guest, Brian from Texas. He's also a first AC. Hey guys, how y'all doing? And we look forward to hearing stories from all of you guys from our industry. To get involved in the conversation, make sure you guys like and subscribe to this podcast. You can also join in the conversation over at our Instagram, at the Camera Department Podcast. Link in the description. So on today's gear talk, we're going to talk about expandables. Expandables. It's a lot. Very, very vast um, supplies that we have in our industry. Brian, what's what's uh, what's some of the expandables that you like to use? Um, well, I went ahead and pulled out some of my kits. It's giving me a bit of nostalgia during this pandemic, being in stuck inside and not being able to use the gear that I'm looking at. Yeah. <laughs> but um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, uh, cleaning stuff like Kintex, Pancro. I use Roscoe wipes, um, you know, bongos to secure things quickly uh, on the camera. A lot of them break sometimes, so there's quite a few of those. Um, Velcro is a big one that we use quite often, especially for the audio hops. Um I use a lot of Velcro uh, ties uh, for, you know, keeping cables nice and tight, um, like for battery stations and whatnot. Um, I use a little flexi gear tie, like a night ties. Uh, I'm probably saying it totally wrong, but um, they uh, help for your camera builds to kind of keep uh, the cables nice. And I, I prefer those. quite a few of those. Yeah, yeah I like those because they're, they're reusable, so you can move them around. And I mean, I've gotten on set so many times where I've built out my camera uh, at prep. And yeah. then the DP or somebody wants to change, something has to change. And I'm like, all right, well, if I'm using Velcro or, or whatever it is, it, it just becomes a little bit harder too. So yeah, I, I love those. I have a bunch of those on my kit. Nice. Yeah, I've, I'm starting to take off the Velcro ties and stuff like that off the camera builds for that exact. Yeah, yeah, the the Velcro ties take take a little okay, too well, long to, to, <laughs> to unwrap. To unwrap, exactly. <laughs> um, and then a few other ones are, of course, you know, uh, one inch gaff tape, you know, paper tape to have always on you, you know, and then the basics: a sharpie, a pen, uh, Statler, some chalk. Uh, for rainy t- uh, days, capits are great. Um, the big uh, film tools. Um, plastic covers for your carts and stuff or oh, the baggage uh the baggage um you know uh and cling wrap uh started to keep cling rack in my clean rack cling wrap in my um kits because it i for moby builds and gimbals and stuff like that i find that that's easiest to just wrap real quick uh and then add like a rubber band for your lens or something like that but it it tends to be one of those like oh never thought about that one <laughs> cool what what are what are clean wraps again uh it's like a, a plastic material like um you know you're shipping a uh, a sofa somewhere and you want to wrap it uh so it, it fits the actual form of the uh the object that's being wrapped but it's not going to be stained or um like uh, uh like kind of like shrink wrap Shrink wrap, yes. Got Cling it. wrap, shrink, exactly. <clears throat> Got it, okay. Different, different names for the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, um, cool. But that's a lot of what I have, you know, and, of course, filter tags, and they tend to come off as expendables depending on what <laughs> commercial you're going to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I tend to lose some or they break, uh, but, you know, just toss them on. And um, Also, Advil is a big one uh, for headaches. And, Advil, yeah. yeah. A lot of other people like uh, Altoids as well. Um, but that's more or less the basics of, you know, what I keep in my kits at least. Uh, okay. I know a lot of people have their own uh, versions of it, uh, of what they like to keep. Okay. And Alex, what what do you, what what's your main uh, expendables that you, that you like to, that you like to have on you? What are your go-to expendables? Um, Pancro. 
that's always I think one of the top ones. <laughs> Pancro and um, bongo ties. Bongo ties. Yeah. And um, Chemtech wipes. Because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there's some jobs that just you don't you have it, and it's good to have all your kit there, and you you touch it. Or you, you, is there for your use? Or in those jobs where you take it and you don't need it, but luckily you do have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are those times you don't even get to touch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, are there any expendables that you guys have? Uh, I guess that you guys can recommend that are like your. I mean, something you can't live without. Uh. Well, in Houston, and I'm sure it's the same with uh, Florida, uh, it's pretty uh, humid, and we, a lot of times it says there's no rain, and then all of a sudden rain appears. And I find that the capits are the best way to uh, get around that, just having them, because when they start out, they're really, really small. You can just toss one in your pocket. Um, other than that, Velcro. Velcro is a big one. Velcro is definitely <laughs> a big one. I actually like... I. I actually enjoy using the um, door lock Velcro. The door lock, yeah, yeah, those are great. Yeah, I agree with that one. I don't have I don't have any of it, but I do agree that <laughs> those are the most firm uh, type of Velcro that'll stick together. Yeah, just because when you buy the regular Velcro as female and male, you end up using mm-hmm. one side more than the other. So when you take it out, you have like three, two feet of female, and. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. at least with a dual lock, you actually use both ends because, and yeah, it's a yeah. lot more secure. Yeah, I think some t- <laughs> some some of those dual locks hold up to like almost ten pounds or more or more. Yeah, nice. I found that uh, if you team up with a uh, sound guy, they'll give you the hard side if you give them the soft side. <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> That's not a bad idea because I have I have a lot of a lot of extra soft side that I don't use very often. So. Yeah. Um, and where do you pretty much replenish your, um, your uh, for the, I like to go to film tools if I'm doing a big order of stuff that's specific. Uh, other than that, I'll just uh, find the small things that I need, like Velcro and stuff on uh, Amazon. And just, yeah. you know, out of convenience. I used to go a lot to, well, film tools for sure. But for some other stuff, I would go to Home Depot and just go the, up and nice. down the aisles. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, Home Depot is a good that. place to, yeah, for sure. Figure out how Home you Depot, Walmart. Yeah, but definitely Amazon is changing the game in the sense where things are more accessible and the fact you don't really have to go out because one, mm-hmm. gas, and then two, the, you spend more time looking for parking than you do in the actual stores. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. And sometimes when you're in the stores, you also end up buying more than you actually need. Um, yeah. So it kind of kind of saves going with, with the yeah. online uh, route. But it also depends, you know, you have the shipping fees included sometimes. So, you know, going to the actual store, if you know it's specifically what you want, like, you know, the industrial string Velcro, you can just grab it off the shelf. And sometimes it's a bit cheaper because I know uh, certain companies like to mark up a little bit because, you know, it's distribution fee and all the other stuff. So, but it's a business. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys um, usually have production by your guys' expendables or is that something you guys provide yourselves? Um, so we usually do like one or two day commercials. Um, in our opinion, it's not justified to buy a whole set of, you know, new pieces of, you know, um, expendables at that point. Um, some, um, jobs do offer, but more or less we have what we need to bring it and we just, um, build it into our kit fee and just, you know, replenish that way. Other than that, like, you know, for a one day commercial, am I going to get a whole nother, uh, you know, roll of red tape at that point. It yeah. just doesn't it doesn't seem to work out very well. So I'll buy some, and you know, at that point, it's a business expense on myself. Yeah. Uh, so true. I'll just write it off at the end of the year, and that's more beneficial to me than getting production to pay for it for me. Yeah, that's what I, I I do the same thing. But if it's a feature or a project exactly. longer than a week, yeah, you know, yes, like more than ten days sure. of actual filming, then I'll yeah. I'll let production know. Okay, look, I need you to cover these expendables. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You'll get your blue red tapes and, mm-hmm. you know, ties and Velcro and everything else like that for sure. Okay. That's good. That definitely is what we all do, I say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no there's a time and a place to fight for it. And I was like, I like to choose my battles. <laughs> exactly. 
Definitely. <laughs> it's like, do I want do I want the kit rental on my cart or do I want you know some ex- more expendables? Which one do I need more? <laughs> yeah. Which, no. Yeah. yeah. Every, which, one, which one benefits you better? Exactly. <laughs> cool. Cool. Hey, listeners. This is Kathy from Film Filter Tags. We are a family-owned business specializing in custom filter tags, Pelican nameplates, and much more. Take a look at our website, filmfiltertags.com, and customize your tags today. If you don't see something you need, just reach out and we will help you. For a limited time only, we're offering a 10% off for the camera department podcast listeners. Simply use code TCDP10 at checkout. All right, we're going to move on here to our main topic. Our main topic is uh is actually Brian. We're going to we want to hear some stories from you. Um especially stories out there in Texas of how how this industry is working out there in Texas and, you know. Um so one of the things we want to know about you is what um how did you how did you get into this industry? Uh I got into this industry um basically after high school, uh not knowing necessarily what I wanted to do. Uh, having a mindset that I like engineering, like how things are put together and taken apart. Um, but I didn't know how to apply that. And I was working at a movie theater at the time. Um, and then I worked my way up to the projectionist and I was able to take apart and put together projectors and stuff, 35 cool. millimeter. Awesome. Uh, and then the uh, Lord of the Rings was out at that point and we got the you know extended edition with had all the behind the scenes and stuff like that and that's what really attracted me to like the movie business and you know how things are going behind the camera and stuff like that and so my mom pushed me to looking at our local community college and I ended up at uh, Houston Community College uh, from there and took the filmmaking courses uh, ended up think after my first year ended up uh just as like a set grip in a sense on one of the school's features that they were putting on together and uh did well in that sense and the same director ended up doing another one a few months later and the dp uh, on that one took a liking to me as a grip on that one then one day they needed a ac on set uh because they couldn't show up for class or whatever and so I got to move up and then from then on, I just kind of fell into it. So how was your first experience as an AC? What were you doing in a sense? What camera? Do you remember the camera? Do you remember what lenses you're using or follow? It was a, it was a red one. Uh, it was uh, Nikon AIS lenses. I'm pretty sure. Um, because the DP, uh, Larry McGee was, uh, my mentor for quite a few years at that point and cool. I just worked with him a lot and I was able to uh, mess up a lot on set to learn well, what not to do <laughs> um, and uh, that's how I learned how to pull a focus by like oh it's out of focus I got it correct oh it's out of focus uh, but the first day on set you know I had it was a theater um, the whole indie film was shot in a theater so a lot of lighting and stuff as a grip wasn't necessarily needed. Um, so I got to sit in the audience uh, and just be on call in a sense uh, for when they needed something moved on stage or whatnot. And so uh, I was able to watch the first AC of the film uh, and how he would build the cameras and you know what he would do uh, in that sense. Cause I didn't really learn too much into the in depth of what an assistant does uh, okay. from school, but you know, seeing it out in front of me is like, whoa, I, I really want to do that. Um, so I just paid attention, um, you know, helped them move the, their carts in uh, in the mornings and stuff like that if we needed it. Uh, and then, you know, just kind of showing interest and uh, becoming friendly with the DP and letting them know the general interest. And, you know, I want to be hands on um, in a sense and I want to be working versus trying to fall asleep in, you know, the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, you know, every, to each you know their own. But in, at the sense, I like to keep my, keep going versus being able to have some downtime because downtime yeah. makes me a little soft. It's like, how much coffee can I drink? Keep me a. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, the first day, uh, we didn't have many you know um, many you know walking the camera or anything like. It was just more or less like um, set it and. You know, you just needed the extra hand on set versus uh, actually tracking focus and stuff like that. So it was a real ease into what an assistant does. Um, and a good, you know, it was a fun day on set. And they're like, hey, you want to be a paid? I'm like, what? 
people get paid to have fun on set. What? This is crazy. <laughs> so your first job you got you got paid for? Uh, no, the first uh, no. feature I did was all for free. Okay. Uh, for that feature, I got maybe four hundred bucks. But I was, you know, doing something I loved, and I didn't feel like, you know, I was at a stage for to be accepted for money. And so, a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of, um, of what I did in the early stages, I did for more or less experience, uh, because you know I didn't know everything, and I didn't know exactly which category I wanted to be in, because you know camera operating was there. But then I'm like, well what if the the operating doesn't get seen or anything like that so i just i dumbed down to like i want to know the things behind the camera first before i ever step and yeah. try to hold the camera at that point and that's what i've been doing for the past 10 years <laughs> wow 10 years that's good and um any drawbacks with that red one <laughs> uh, not that i found on set there was a few times like we shot in the attic in uh you know june or august or something like uh, with no AC because of audio, of course, and uh, their camera got pretty hot. But you know, yeah. they, they that was able for us to be able to take a break and walk outside and get the fresh air from. Uh, probably, you know, just a benefit in disguise of having been able to not be in that building in a hot day in an attic with no AC. Yeah, I I think we've all come across. I mean, uh, in the first episode, we spoke about how you know because of the red coming into the digital world changing it from um film a lot of us were have been able to join the business a lot quicker and sooner and kind of um grow in the business rather than stay at a level of you know camera pa or second ac yes so definitely big shout outs to the red for doing what they did and mm -hmm, opening opening sure. doors and an avenue for a lot of us new gen um filmmakers to come into the business with with ease so let me ask you uh, another question, Brian. Did um did you go on the route of uh did you second for for very long or how how long did it take you to to become a focus puller? Uh, so I would focus pull on indies and small but uh, small budget you know uh, corporate things and stuff like that uh, more or less until the point where I felt like I was um, doing the same thing over you know. Uh, a good year at that point uh, and not really progressing uh, much in the technicality of what I wanted to get into. Uh, so I, I worked with the AC uh, and he was moving on into the commercials in town and I got pulled on and that route's two second for him. And um, we were both uh, green in a sense. Uh, well, I mean, I was still green because I was seconding for sure. Uh, but he was green and I, we were, I was able to learn from, not necessarily he i didn't i'm not saying he made mistakes but i'm able to learn from what he did uh to help me become a better first in that sense so when he would uh be the a first i got the opportunity after working with him for a while to move up to b first and then when he wanted to move on to operating i was able to take his sp uh, space or his spot okay. in that sense and and work more as a a first and first ac you know if there wasn't dual camera and stuff um but there was uh, there was not a lot of other because um, a lot before then they were calling in a lot of uh, first ACs from LA and New York and out of town and stuff like that. So until we stepped onto the scene, um, there wasn't anybody really to call in town. You know, be that first call and stuff like that. So it uh, helped us in a sense to step up because we got to. Uh, do and be tested on the uh, harder jobs that were coming into town in the car commercials and working with um, basketball and football talent and stuff like that. So it was quite a fun, you know, not, not just like a, I guess a rise into what uh, I'm working on now versus what I was working on, which were, you know, indies and stuff like that. Okay. Let me ask you this question. How, how long, how many years did it take you to find the bag of F stops? Um, well, it took me a while because then the lens baby came out and then I actually found them. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's good. You know, I, I think that you appreciate, you appreciate more of the process when you, you grow into yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Of course. And there's a lot of newcomers who come to the table and, 
they ask how it was and what I've had to go through and stuff like that and how they could be my seconds on a commercial and stuff. And I'm, I've been really adamant about starting from, you know, the bottom and learn, you know, to mess up, uh, learn to fail and learn to, um, you know, damage equipment because when you get to the, the, you know, bigger commercials and stuff like that, you can't make those mistakes as often and get called back on a regular basis. Yeah. It's like you you have to know what you can't do without, you know, anybody really telling you because and you can we can sit here and talk about it all day, but until you experience it, you know, it it's a totally different ball game because we're gonna be nice on here, but who's to say you're not gonna get yelled at for doing something that wasn't your fault even. Especially when it comes to leading a department. You have to take the fall for it. Yeah. As a first. That's definitely something we spoke on recently on one of our podcasts about you being the lead. You need to be the one to step up and really take the blame or take the hit, better said. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this next question. Um, Follow focus wise, what do you do? Hand unit? I mean, do you go um, fizz or do you go um, hard mount? Uh, It's up to the job uh, at hand. If we're doing uh, interviews locked off and stuff like that, I'll um, unless the uh, production has the budget or anything like that, I find it fine to work off the side of the camera. But more and more uh, productions are pushing the ACs off the camera, or me, the uh, B-roll will need to um, be had out, you know, all handheld or something like that. So I end up with a fizz unit, and it's just becoming what the norm is at this point. And but when I first started, it was always on on the side of the camera. Yeah. Same. And let me ask you, um, what's your um, preference hand unit? Uh, the preference of hand unit, uh, currently uh, the Alexa Mini is the bigger use camera as far as commercials in Houston. So the WCU integrates easily with that. Yeah. It, um, it, so it's my uh, preference. Uh, then also um, my company bought the first WCU uh, in Houston. So, uh, and we didn't have any Prestons or anything like that. So because of that, it became a preference after okay. having to learn through the, you know, the ins and outs of the system and then being just more comfortable at that point. Uh, we, we initially bought, um, another Preston hand unit this past year, but you know, I've had a lot more time on the WCU at this point still. Yeah. Uh, so it's a process of just learning and figuring out the ins and outs of how you prefer it. And do you pull counter or clockwise? Um, uh, I'm having to think about it. Um, I pull up is uh, up is minimum, down is uh, infinity. Okay. And let me ask you this: In the last years that you've been doing pulling focus, what has been one of your best pulls that, in your opinion, where you're like? I nailed it. Like, like, where's my Oscar? Yeah. Start <laughs> where's my celebra- Oscar Start moment? the celebration. Yeah. Like. Those stand-up, not-moving uh, subject commercials, I must say. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, wait, no. what? what? Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> no. Um, I've had one that was uh, quite fun. We uh, It was when the LF came out. We were working with Panavision. The um, mini or the... the... The big boy. The big boy, okay. Or big girl, however you want to call him. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were working with Panavision, um, Primo's. Uh, I don't know if they're Primo's, but uh, they're anamorphics. So I'd have to look back at the camera order. Um, and there was a shot where we didn't have track, so the dolly uh, Fisher 10 we were using was just you know kind of free-handed by the, uh, the dolly grip. And the director... In, Ended up, you know, after a few tries, he was like, all right, I want the focus to be on the last third is when this doctor is walking towards camera. And then he ha- he hits the the last third of this light and the focus needs to rack from soft to all uh, to sharp at that moment. And there's like, all right, do you want any marks? And I'm like, well, we don't have track. We're not going to have a consistent pull. The doctor's going to choose when he walks like what? Well, I mean, I, I got a sitting tape. Let's yeah. try it. <laughs> so, um I nailed before that one. I nailed you know a couple of them where you know just pushing in, just trying to meet you know 
the exact moment as when they're crossing the certain frame. But when they came to the third one, he's like, we're just going to try it. You know, I really, really want this, but you know, it's the last shot. We're going to leave after this. I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, are you sure you got it? I'm like, dude, like, let's just do it. Cause you know, you can, uh, at some point it's just becomes a feeling. And as long as you're able to see, you know, the action happening in front of you, um, looking through the monitor or anything else like that, like, you can you can hit your focus. Uh, there's also different ways, like using the rangefinder and stuff like that, that'll give you more you know accurate uh, you know focus pull. But at some point, I've been pulling through, looking through a monitor up until this point, so that was how I was going to do it. Um, but uh, it was I was able to nail it, and you know we're moving able to move on. I have still yet to see it pop up on the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, there's a say it's like you can do all these focus pulls all day, but most yeah. likely it's either for their real or you're just never going to see it. <laughs> yeah. Or it's going to or it's going to get chopped up so much that you, you won't even tell. Mhm. Yeah. It's like a super you're, you know, you're sweating bullets trying to make this happen for, you know, because they're out of town um in our our sense there's always out of town uh directors and DPs coming in that you've never met before. They're like they have really high expectations of you and you know, sometimes you just you have to do it <laughs> to show them it can be done. But then, you know, that raises the bar for the next person. Like, well, this AC over here could do it. I'm like, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. So let's, um, so now that we got your, your, your um, amazing, like, Oscar winning focus, right? What, what has been one of those days where you've just been on set and be like, I just want to go home. This is probably one of my worst days ever. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't know what I'm doing here. Have you had those days? And, you know, can you give us a, you know, a little story about that? I've had a uh, commercial at the end of last year. Um, we're using, uh, it was, uh, I believe it was LF and then uh, Panavision uh, glass again. Uh, our big uh, use on that shoot was the 42 to 425 Panavision anamorphic zoom. Uh, I had I was using Preston uh, hand unit and the rangefinder um, LR2 uh, on that one, uh, and there was a situation where um, we were at a baseball field and these kids um, who were actual like a team in the uh, in the Houston area that was hired. Um, they were doing these run up, um, slide on your belly and catch the ball kind of things to camera. Mm -hmm. Uh, but camera was kind of by home plate on the, uh, on where the, uh, bleachers are, uh, kind of going through the chain link fence. Uh, and the shot was basically the, you start wide and then the DP would zoom in as the, uh, the kid was diving into camera, trying to catch the ball, uh, nice. way past, <laughs> uh, kind of in the outfield section. So, uh, and then it, it wasn't a rehearsed shot. So we would bounce around to all these other kids and on your hand unit, I would, uh, I was using the D or E ring. I'd have to check to see what the, uh, the range is, but, uh, all my focus was between 200 and infinity, you know, the the width of less than your pinky nail. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we were going on a dolly back and forth, um, and then the DP would, you know, start pack picking up off these um, these kids doing it. And focus is wide open, you know. It's you know, two three o'clock in the uh, afternoon, so you know it's there's a lot of glass in front of the camera, so you're looking through and um he's like focus 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 and you know you're like all right i'm gonna pick this one and then the camera moves and you're like okay i need to pick this one and you're like oh wait the camera okay i'm gonna pick this one and so it just becomes like a reaction game versus of uh, being able to you know necessarily pick and choose because you know your field of view is way tight on the 425 <laughs> yeah. but you know finding uh sharp focus as your dp is zooming in at that point is was one of those like i I want to go home. <laughs> I don't think I'm really pleasing the DP in this sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know, it happens to everybody, you know, it depends on your glass. Uh, and there's a lot of factors that go into play. And I learned a few things, um, on that set that would help me, um, do better. Cause there was a, the B camera, um, there was an assistant there and 
he has been using um, the Preston unit for a long time and showed me, you know, limiting limiters and where the, um, the LR2 was able to not see the fence that was in front of me and help me pick off uh, focus a lot easier at that point. Um, but, you know, we live and we learn the hard way sometimes before we can figure Very out the true. easy way is going to be. So I'm grateful for the experience and I'm grateful that we finally got the shot. But again, I don't even know if I've seen the commercial for that one. <laughs> that might give me nostalgia. Like, <laughs> um, I remember that focus pool. Yeah. Let me ask you this next question. What's next? Or are you a lifer, AC? Um, I'm not opposed to operating, but uh, my comfort and my joy is AC. I love how uh, when Red One came out, and you know, till this day, like there's been. Hold on, we lost. Being you. around. There. Yeah, we lost you for a second there. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> um, I was saying uh, I've ever since the red one and the changes past the red one to, you know, the uh, weapon, uh, the epic and, you know, so far to the monstro and more like I really enjoy the, um, the engineering that goes into these cameras, the way that I can build up these cameras to work on set and, you know, just enjoying the art of focus pulling and stuff like that. I think that's way more um, engaging than operating a camera in a sense, you know, to each, you know, their own also. Uh, it's just not my aesthetic to just want to be behind a camera and point, um, uh, you know, and frame and get off by doing that in a sense versus like my thing, my art is focus pulling and that's why I, I enjoy um doing uh like i said maybe eventually i uh i'll probably operate but i don't have any um inspiration to be a dp uh i like, I like working with all the dps and as an assistant i love being able to um brush up against you know all the all the different kinds and styles and that these dps do offer i mean um everybody has a different way that they like the handheld you know, they, all of the different types of innovations that are coming in, like the backpack rigs and stuff like that. Like, that's what's fun to me. <laughs> okay. And what cart do you usually use for your? I use uh, the I use the uh, Jaeger Senior. Ooh, finally someone with a Jaeger. Yeah. yeah. How, how much that? Out. How much did that? How much did that cost you? Like more. Um. I mean, I've I've added quite a bit. Like, I have a battery trough. I have uh, side pins. I have a side trough now. I just got an umbrella attachment. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you're talking uh, about three to thirty-five hundred dollars, um, probably. You know, plus or minus, depending on what uh, attachment you get on there. And is this your first cart, or did you move up? Uh, so, first off, uh, I was doing quite a few indie projects. Uh, like, I started with a, a pail like a little bucket and I would put my little, my pouch and, you know, my tapes and whatever else I had in there. Um, so I started out with a rock and roller R12, uh, which I still have in a closet and I use to move equipment back and forth. And it's a godsend sometimes. Yeah. Man. I remember those. <laughs> uh, always good to have just, you know, getting your equipment from your, in my case, my apartment to my car. Uh, you know, it's way easier than like, all right, you gotta make 12 trips. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially and on gear days. Back. Exactly. Uh, but the Jaeger Senior is my second and um, uh, my second cart. Uh, I don't own any others. Uh, my company owns a couple, but um, I have been looking into the Jaeger Pro. Uh, okay. I really like the innovations that are coming out of it, and I may consider it because some days, you know, when you have to work out of your vehicle, the uh, the pop-up option is always uh, very great. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I've, looking at, I've been looking into the innovatives, but... You know, oh, yeah. I'm just kind of uh, going back and forth uh, and seeing what, you know, people come up with as the um, design starts solidifying. Um, do you go to NAB? Have you gone to NAB before? I have not. I was actually looking forward to uh, attending Cinegear in L.A., and that would have been my first. Um, yeah, that's another definitely a great place to network, but also get your hands on these carts and just test exactly. them out. Yeah. Uh, for my company, we more or less... Um, uh, buy gear that is uh, focus puller related so we can use it to rent on set yeah. and so uh, those were some of the reasons to uh, go to cine gears so exactly get your hands on and talk with the makers and stuff like that um, every now and then we have um, a few um, 
manufacturers come through Houston and do a few shows and stuff. Like recently we had Flanders and before then we've Ooh. had Zeiss and Perry and stuff like that. Um, so we've, you know, been able to have some one-on-one conversations and stuff. Uh, but you know, that would be the best place to talk to everybody at once. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, bringing up Flanders, what's your goal to focus monitor to pull up? Um, I've been a small HD, uh, person since the DP six. Um, I, it wasn't until the pre-order was announced to the 703 that I actually ended up uh, buying a new monitor, uh, which was the 703. Uh, and then since then, I've bought into the uh, 503, the 1303, and then the companies bought quite a few other ones as well. Uh, but my go-to right now for weight reasons um, is the 503. Uh, then I have a... Um, it used to be Media Blackout, but now Rencher Industries um, mm-hmm. Logic Block, and I put a uh, a sidekick in there because um, you never know which uh, version uh, of Teradek or whatever you're going to work with. So I try to uh, in Houston we use uh, for the most part Teradek, so I have the Gen One and Gen Two sidekicks, and it's really important okay, for me yeah. uh, to be able to use that for the size and the weight factor of it. Um, and then I power it with some um, Sony LPs. Uh, from there, I can do if depending on the brightness. If you're outside, uh, I've had three sets of uh, rechargeable batteries, but well, for the most part, on interiors, I could just get through the day with two sets, um, and then put that on, you know, the clean camera support bracket for the WCU and call it a day. <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, let me ask you a question: How's the industry out there in Texas? Because I, I know that um, right now the hotspots are are you know Georgia. You know, obviously, always New Calif- Orleans, California, New Orleans LA. is another, and even um, Detroit. And New York is is a hotspot. I know right now they're not a hotspot, and you know, because of things that that's going on in the world. But um, how's the industry out in Texas? Uh, in Texas, um, I would say Austin and Dallas are our hotspots, with San Antonio popping up recently. Uh, like what people may not know is like Fear of the Walking Dead. I think has shot the past two seasons in uh, Austin. Uh, or oh. the surrounding areas. Uh, and there's been uh, The Sun, I think, which may or may not be an HBO series. Uh, quite a few in that aspect. But um, for me in Houston, because, uh, you know, Texas is quite huge, <laughs> uh, it's uh, more or less commercials and corporate and um, quite a bit of reality, honestly. Um, but for my main bulk of work, it's uh, commercial work. Um, and, you know, there tends to be quite a few brands that want a, uh, you know, a commercial or ad of some sorts, um, you know, every month in a sense. Um, you know, we have quite a few gas and oil companies. Um, you know, a lot of our commercials have uh, revolved around that. Uh, the last one I did before, last big one I did before, um, the Super Bowl in town was for a, um, I forget what it was called, <laughs> uh, but it was for a, uh, like a, a hazardous trash uh, or hazardous waste company here in town. Uh, and they have quite a few other um, uh, locations around the country. And we went to one of those, but for the most part that we were creating, you know, big hazardous waste um, sets uh, that we would go in and, you know, film people, how they would clean up uh, if, you know, a, a um, nuclear or nuclear um, hazard material got blown up on the side of the, you know, freeway or something. Um, so, and then that one made the uh, one of the Super Bowl spots. Nice, wow. nice. Nice. All right, so um, I guess one of our, our final questions is, um, do you have – any advice you can give to anyone starting in our in our industry in the camera department? Um, anything that you can tell them on you know that you've learned over the years that you can help them with? Um, so I find the best way, and this helps for everybody across the nation and the world at this point, is get on Instagram um, and follow people who are doing the job that you want to do. Um, you know, find inspiration, watch their camera builds, watch what they do on set, watch their stories. Um, and then, you know, try to engage. Uh, not everybody likes to talk about their job, you know, every moment of the day. And, you know, it's something that we all have to learn, you know, just interacting with, in my case, like multiple DPs. Like some people want to talk, some people don't want to talk. 
And, you know, it's the same way with assistants. Uh, just being able to learn the process of how to speak with somebody, you know, watching their builds uh, and then figuring out what's important to them as far as like when it comes to the gear and stuff that they do show. Um, I would suggest reading Evan Luzzi's, uh The Black and Blue. Um, just start from the beginning and work your way through. Uh, it's a great way uh, to see a uh, um, progression in from you know starting very green to working in more professional environment. He talks about quite a few of his um, uh, Onset features, adventures, and, and stuff. Yeah, that's exactly. a very good, and actually a very good resource place to start. He actually offers a digital ebook that you could download. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people ask me, "Hey, how do I get into business and that?" You know, just because. Many times what I post on my Instagram, they love and they like and they want to do what I do. But many times they don't know what I do, you know, to mm -hmm. the full detail. So one of the best, one of the first things to tell me, if you're really interested, go to this website um, and sign up for the um, ebook and then read it and then come back to me. After exactly. that, I've told that to 10 people. Mm -hmm. Not one has ever come back to me. So, yep. <laughs> it's one of the qualifying because uh, those who are actually interested will read it and yeah. they'll show the initiative that you're looking for to you know ask to come to your preps and stuff like that. Agreed. Uh, which leads up you know to the next point is like if you want to do it you know you need to be there doing it which is you know try to get on uh, on a try to come out to an assistance prep um, and try to see what you can do to be helpful you know watch and learn as much as possible and ask questions in that environment and engage. Because if you don't engage and you're just there, you know, to be there, then you know what, what, what are we doing? Like, you know, you know, you, you're you're there to learn, and this is the most hands-on experience that you can get without actually being in the uh, the field of fire. Yeah. Uh, because once once you're invited to set, you know. Yeah, you better you know. know what you're I doing. can't, I can't, I can't save you from everything. Yeah. <laughs> I could do a lot, I could do a lot to help you, but you know, if you can't change a, a filter out for me and uh, you know real quick while I have to, you know, go clean down the limbs or something like that. Like, you know, then I have to do that too. And that's not what, you know, the second to see is, is there for. You're there for to be a, a support for the first uh, as, among, as among other things. But that's main your main job is the first assistant. Um, and we need the, that help when we have that ability because a lot of jobs I've done, like you don't get the ability to have a second. So that's what makes <laughs> Same it, here. you know, more apparent. <laughs> You know, you need to you need to show the production. This is why I need my second assistant and make them work for it. Yeah. And I can't have you know a green AC come out to a um, you know a high dollar commercial and you know hey like I really want to come in second for you. It's like it doesn't it can work like that if there's nobody else available. But you really do need to go through the indie routes, um, you know, or whatever route um, is available to you, you know, corporate route and, you know, work on these jobs to work on your resume because it's, it's resume building um, jobs at that point. Uh, and it just going to make you look better the more jobs you have under your belt. And, uh, and then a couple more of the, uh, a few of the books, um, David's uh, the camera assistant handbook, yeah. and then also the camera assistant as well. Those are definitely two good books. And they're, they're, um, there are a lot about, there's there in those two books a lot about um, film days. But all mm -hmm. that still plays into practice because guess what? Film is coming back. It's making a comeback. <laughs> so it's good nice. to know all those stuff. And yes, it is a long book. But like if you're really passionate and determined and you really want to be in the business and you want to know in and out, read the, read those books. Um, and then mm -hmm. from there, you, you'll have a good first who can lead you and guide you and mold you into becoming whatever it is that you desire to become. Let me of ask course. you this. Have you ever had a situation where producers or production be like, look, um, we can't afford a second, but we're going to give you somebody. Mm -hmm. Quite <laughs> <I> often. <laughs> and it's and like, then, um, uh -huh. go ahead. No, go no, ahead. No. <laughs> what do you do at that point? Because it's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to do it by myself. <laughs> well, I have done that because uh, they'll say like, well, we have this person and then I'll look at that person and they're like, well, that person's doing your set decorating. That person's supposed to be crafty. That person's supposed to be oh. doing this. Like if I need to, you know, roll the camera, they're all be waiting on me to do it. I, I can't then turn to like, well, I'm waiting on the PA to finish, you know, getting you your crafty first, but then we can sleep. <laughs> so I have a conversation with the DP. It's like, hey, this is what I'm being asked for. Like, I'm going to slate, if you don't mind pushing the red button for me. Like, I'll set the focus and stuff. Like, oh, okay. this will be a lot quicker um, if we do that than 
you know, <laughs> waiting on someone who may or may not, you know, and if it's for um, high dollar talent, like I don't want them to loud clap. Uh, so it comes down to preference that just in case, like I'm going to do my soft sticks, you know, I'm going to make them take the second to wait for me to walk back to my station because, you know, at that point, you know, it's not fair that production didn't hire this person. So why is it on me to have to run back to my station? Cause there's no running on set. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it just, it just comes down to sometimes you have to be firm and those are the battles, you know, I was talking about you pick and choosing your battles. Like, like, I'm going to do this and I'll make you waste your time because, you know, money didn't compensate for the time this time. You know, you didn't yeah. give me my second. So this is the compromise we're going to have to do. Because <laughs> then what happens when that guy has to go on a run or that girl has to go on a run? It's like, well, do we pass it on to the next person? Then you spend the time teaching that person what the numbers mean and how to clap uh, correctly. And then, you know, if it's James Harden, is he going to bite your nose off? Yeah, you end up you end up spending more time teaching so many people a job that they don't want to do, and mm-hmm. and just because production wanted to save you know a couple hundred dollars, it's yeah. like mm-hmm. um, sometimes you just gotta pick and choose. Like, hey, you know, this is what I need. Yep. And just yep. not to go into full details and stuff like that, but how are the rates in Texas in regards between the first and the second? Is it within a fifty dollar range, hundred dollar range? You know, it always gonna vary between projects, but how 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 are the rates out there with, between those two positions? It varies between projects and uh, experience level, in my opinion. Because um, for commercials, the rates are pretty standard, and the PMs will, um, you know, pitch you your rate, and you can try to negotiate higher um, from there. Or in some people's case, they'll just give them say, "Hey, what's your rate for this?" And they'll just give them a rate. And if you're not experienced enough uh, to ask. Uh, for a, a larger rate or, you know, ask your first what the rate they're getting. Uh, it kind of comes down to the business aspect of it and negotiations. Um, but for the most part, for me and my go-to second, we try to keep within 50 to to $100 range uh, from each other. And it, again, comes down to the uh, production's budgets at that point. Because uh, commercials, it's pretty standard yeah. of what the rates are. But anywhere between... It, it, Anywhere going down to indie projects, not necessarily down, but indie projects, and if they're non-union, if they're not tiered, if you know they're under a million, under you know two hundred thousand, yeah. like the rates are going to be significantly lower. And for me, like I don't do a lot of features, so like maybe once a year I might jump onto a, a lower budget uh, feature, uh, but it's also you know ten, twenty days of that you know rate, mm-hmm. so it kind of works out. And for me, it's more fun to be able to play with focus and play with whatever new technology that they're trying to bring in uh, on the set at that point. So, you know, for me, it's my rate is not firm uh, for every single project. You know, it, it has to float because I, in Texas, we're right to work. So there Ooh. is non-union and there is uh, there is union uh, jobs. And I am local 600, but, uh, you know, I don't work nearly enough union jobs to be able to qualify for health insurance, same. for example. So yeah, I have to work non-union. <laughs> Uh, to compensate for that, and, you know, if the amount of money that the features offer me is, you know, way better than the amount of days I'm going to do on a commercial, which doesn't necessarily happen, you know, might be enticing to go out and do, especially if I get to bring some toys. Yeah, yeah. same thing. I mean, I, I've come across certain situations where it's like, where my rate is about maybe two to three, two to three hundred dollars above the second AC, and. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I can be the person be like, okay, fine, I'm great, you know. But I know what I want out of my second and what I expect mm-hmm. out of my second. So I try to level the ball game. I'm like, okay, look, uh, I'll negotiate with the producer on the second behalf because I want my second to be happy working with me. Because if I'm, he be, if he or she's gonna be running around doing a lot of things that I expect them to do, I want them to be knowing that their other effort just not for two hundred dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. Just an example. Mm-hmm. So, if I have to take a pay cut or give more of my kit rental to my second, I will because I have done it. I have done it before Good. where I've split my rate with uh, with uh, my second just to get us kind of closer to... As much as possible, to, yeah. To being as equal mm-hmm. as, as we can because it's... Sometimes that the uh, a, a second AC ends up doing more work than, than a first AC. That's, True. That's For their, sure. That's their job, you know? Um, yeah. Because when there's not VTI or anything else like that, like who's going to move the monitors and stuff? Yeah. Like, yep. 
comes down to them. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes we, the, the production things that the uh, PAs are going to do all that stuff, but in reality, they're doing some other stuff, and we're left with more than what we could handle. So mm-hmm. we want to put certain um, tasks on our second. We want to make sure they're being compensated for and they're They're being worked, but when they get that check, they're like, you know what? Um, yeah. I was yeah. able to make my money, exactly. and I wasn't abused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and and then that also goes with uh, what I mentioned experience because sometimes uh, I feel that the second uh, needs to go through these things for lower rates to understand and to be grateful for when they do reach up to a higher uh, rate at that point because you know not not everybody's going to get full rate every single time that they um, are able to do the job yeah so understanding what the minimums of doing the rates are. Uh, I find is, you know, very, um, it comes with experience in a sense. Uh, cause you know, a 150 day, like I've just, I've done plenty of those jobs, <laughs> but that was because I didn't have, I didn't, I wasn't in the know, like, Hey, you don't have to work for that. You can ask for this. You can ask for this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, am I worth that? Like it's my experience equivalent to what I'm actually offering on set or am I, you know, being told what to do versus am I being active to, um, um, to do it without being told in a sense. Uh, and again, it just revolves around the experience at that yeah, point. Very good. Someone... Input. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Um, Brian, I think that's pretty much it, man. I thank you so much for, for coming on this call with us and, and being on our podcast, man. I think you gave us a lot of, uh, um, good insight on what's going on in Texas and absolutely. how things are working out there, you know? Yeah. And, and how... you know, it's only, it's only Houston, so there's quite a few other cities out there. <laughs> yeah, but it's good to know from other parts because I mean we're from Miami, so we're accustomed yeah. to the Miami market. And every and the only times we ever go and if we go anywhere, it's LA market or New York market, maybe yeah. even Atlanta. But people are very um um uh bottled up, not bottled, but uh, your your little circle. So yeah. they won't give yeah. you information and the inside and stuff like that. So we appreciate your time and. Giving us a, yeah. a good looking into what's going on in the Houston market. For sure, you know I'm always uh, open to talking about what our uh, what our chances here of getting bigger are. So feel free to come back. <laughs> <and> Definitely. <laughs> always say it's bigger in Texas, but maybe not the film market. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you All so right, much, man. Appreciate y'all. Thank you for having me on. All right, man. We'll talk soon. All right, Thank bye-bye. you. Bye. Well, I think that wraps it up for us here. Thanks for listening to the Camera Department Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe. And if you want to continue the conversation, head over to our Instagram at the Camera Department Podcast. If you would like to be part of the podcast, please send us an email to info at thecameradepartmentpodcast.com or send us a message on our Instagram. Thank you guys for listening. Adios. Adios.